Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart. Here we go again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Remember, if you want to get hold of me, you can do that a couple different ways. My email is miller at millerfrostonline.com, and my parlor handle is at millerfrost. And of course, before we get started on today's podcast, we do have a minor correction to make. I always like to do those at the top of the podcast just so I don't forget to do them later. But on our Wednesday podcast, we were talking about McAllister College. That's up in St. Paul, Minnesota. And they have these kind of woke token gift boxes for capital B black people or those who identify as capital B black people like white boy Malcolm X over there. But at the time, and I admitted it on Wednesday's podcast, I was calling it McAllister College and I knew I was mispronouncing it, but my brain had kind of frozen up and I just could not think my way around not calling it McAllister. But apparently when I was in the middle of my my diatribe there towards the latter part of that segment, I did accidentally stumble into pronouncing it correctly. So if you were listening to last Wednesday's podcast, I was saying McAllister a lot, but I did manage to say McAllister College one time correctly. So folks, if you are at McAllister College. If you are an alumni of McAllister College, you live in the St. Paul area, you got a little butt hurt because I was calling it McAllister College. I apologize for doing that. I can't believe I did that, but uh, yeah. And there was a McAllister Square near where I grew up, but it was MC. So that's what the hang up there was. The MAC is what threw me off. So it is no longer McAllister College. It is McAllister College. And so folks, I do apologize we're saying that incorrectly on our last podcast. White boy Malcolm X, before I even dig in, the Lord is testing me, I have to say. Yes, the Lord is definitely testing me. And folks, if you're like, Miller, how was the Lord testing you? Well, folks, we have been talking, I guess, over the last couple of podcasts about how the Lord giveth, but the Lord also taketh away. And so he gives me some really good stories, but he takes some stories away most of the time, right? There was one time where I had I had two really good smoking gun stories, and I had two really good teacher bait stories, and I was so braggadocious about it, the Lord smited me and took away a smoking gun story. So I had a podcast where I could not end the program, as I always do, with a smoking gun story. But now, man, I'll tell you what, folks, I can say proudly that gay at the front and smoking gun at the back, like we always do or normally do, but... White Boy Malcolm X, you're not going to believe this. I have a teacher bait smoking gun story to end this program with. So it's a twofer. It is the best of both worlds. We have teacher bait and we have smoking gun combined together. And folks, it is a doozy to end today's podcast with. So hang in there. We will get to it at some point. So let's go ahead and jump into our news quick hits. And the first one is from Men's Health. And there actually isn't really a pull quote. It is just the top 10 booziest and top 10 least booziest cities in the U.S. So I thought I would rattle them off for you if you're like, hmm, I wonder if I live in a town with a bunch of raging alcoholics. Or if you're like, hmm, I wonder if I live in a town full of teetotalers. Here is the list for you so you can get that cleared up. And so we'll start with the least booziest towns. That is the least amount of fun. And number 91 is New York, New York, which... 
Point by Malcolm X, that I was rather surprised by. New York, New York is the 91st booziest town or the 10th least boozy town in the country. Orlando, Florida is 92. Again, weird. I figured everyone in Florida was drunk all the time. I guess not. San Jose, California, Birmingham, Alabama, Atlanta, Georgia at 95th. Wow. I figure those queens in Midtown would more than make up for everyone else, but I guess not. Newark, New Jersey is number 96, and I really can't believe that one, folks, because if I lived in Newark, New Jersey, I would be drunk (laughs) 24-7. That place is a dump. Salt Lake City, Utah, that's obvious. Jackson, Mississippi, Miami, Florida is number 99, and number 100, Memphis, Tennessee. So I guess when Elvis passed away, they dropped down on that list rather quickly. So here, folks, are the booziest places in the country. Number 10, Charleston, South Carolina. Nine is Washington, D.C., Toledo, Ohio, Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine, White Boy Malcolm X. That is, I I never saw that one. That is the seventh booziest place in the country, Portland, Maine of all weird places. Madison, Wisconsin, party, college party town, Fargo, North Dakota. Just like Newark, New Jersey, I would be drunk all the time if I lived in Fargo as well. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Billings, Montana, Denver, Colorado, White Boy Malcolm X. Even after you and I left Denver, Colorado, it is the second booziest place in the country. Random. And Reno, Nevada, folks, is the booziest city in the U.S. And just like Fargo, North Dakota or Newark, New Jersey, I would be drinking all the time if I lived in Reno as well. And White Boy Malcolm X, remind me next time we are channel surfing. Apparently, folks, they have rebooted Reno 911, which I thought back in the day was hilarious, but they apparently... One of these streaming services has it back on. They're doing new episodes. So we got to track that down and pay whatever it costs to see what that looks like. And yes, of course, we'll have to wipe out Mecca We will definitely have to work on getting Boston into the booziest top 10. From the Washington Free Beacon, Anna Wintour caves to woke mob. Uh-oh, Anna, what are you up to? Alexi McCammond. And a few folks are like, Miller, that. That chick's name, that sounds really familiar from your podcast. Who is she again? Well, folks, I'm getting there. Calm down. Girlfriend of disgraced former White House aide T.J. Ducklow. Yes, folks, the the swamp Lothario, the stud of Washington, D.C., T.J. Ducklow. And normally I would just call him a virgin pajama boy, but not in D.C., folks. He is a ladies' man about town, and that is his girlfriend, will not be taking over as editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. The journalist said Thursday that she and the publication's parent company, Condé Nast, have agreed to part ways after staff members raised concerns over her racist and homophobic tweets from, get this folks, 2011, when McCaymond was a teenager. So yes, folks, if you are tweeting as a teenager and you happen to say something a decade ago that was, let's say, inappropriate, you're done. (laughs) You are done. Here are a couple more pull quotes from that. McCammond, who was set to start the new gig on March 24th, had already apologized years ago for the offending tweets in which the journo expressed annoyance at a stupid Asian teaching assistant and her desire to not wake up with swollen Asian eyes. (laughs) Man, Alexi, that is harsh. That didn't stop a group of more than 20 Teen Vogue staffers from writing a letter to Condé Nast management and issuing a public statement asserting their grievance and forcefully rejecting the sentiments expressed in McCammon's old tweets. So folks, if you haven't figured it out already yet, in the Church of Woke, which is run by these hysterical, intolerant millennial and Gen Z kids, there is no absolution ever, 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 You will never be forgiven, and Alexi just stumbled into that from tweets over a decade old. So she is out of there, and I guess her and her Lothario boyfriend, TJ Ducklow, can spend their days living off of unemployment for the time being. I just wish, folks, that someone would spend some time digging into these kids' past, the ones that uh, are so intolerant about everyone else like this Alexi chick. I mean, I can't believe I'm here defending her for something like that, but you know, Happened over a decade ago. She apologized. Apparently, she took the tweets down, but they're still butthurt about it (laughs) over something that was said over 11 years ago. I guarantee you, though, the more complaining they do, the more they've got in their past. So someone should go look into them. 
and serve them up a delicious heap of intolerance <laughs> right back at them. This is from Tal Road and White Boy Malcolm X. Listen to this. European Union declares itself LGBT Freedom Zone in reaction to Poland's anti-gay crackdown. Hmm, who knew? Here are a couple pull quotes from that. The European Parliament has voted to declare the entire European Union as an LGBTIQ Freedom Zone. And folks, I believe the I is intersex. And no, folks, I have absolutely no idea what that is. Just another one of those uh, orientations we've got to add to the list in response to member state Poland's recent anti-gay crackdown. The vote was 492 to 141 and came just hours after the Polish government announced a proposal to close a loophole that allowed same-sex couples to adopt. Politico reports the non-binding resolution states in part that rather than discriminating against LGBTIQ persons, the authorities at all levels of governance across the entire European Union should protect and promote equality and the fundamental rights of all, including LGBTIQ persons, and ensure their rights in full. And the only thing I have to say about that is, I just always assume, folks, that it was already an LGBTIQ freedom zone. I can't believe they're not woke enough to have declared that back, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. But every time I've been to Europe, and I've been to Europe quite a few times, I'm not bragging, it's just a fact, I've been to Europe quite a number of times. Like you go to France, right? And you look at all the Frenchmen, they all look gay to me. I mean, my gaydar, and if you don't know what a gaydar is, well, I'll explain that on another podcast, but... My gaydar is completely thrown off by European men because they're just so kind of affected anyway. You look at a Frenchman, you're like, oh, that's a queen. But then they're like making out with a girl. I'm like, okay, well, maybe they're bi, right? A bisexual will do anyone, right? Everyone knows that, but who knows? But the French always throw me off. The Germans, pretty close. The Swiss, you know, the the Italians. I just assume they're all gay. I don't know how, I don't know how that continent keeps reproducing, but uh, yeah, they uh, they are now a freedom zone. For Queens, White Boy Malcolm X, so we can sneak over there if we have to. From the Washington Times, wannabe my pillow competitor David Hogg, David Hogg, he's back in the news, folks, forgot to trademark his company name. So if you don't know who David Hogg is, he's some little, you know, anti-gun kid. He was in one of those school shootings in Florida, and he is a darling of the left. They all love that stupid little chinless twink. They just love him, and he wants to... He hates, folks, he hates Mike Lindell and my pillow, and he wants to create his own pillow company. That's what kind of vindictive queen this kid is. He's like, well, I don't like you, and I, so I'm going to make my own company to put you out of business. So here are a couple of pull quotes from that. Progressive pillow entrepreneur David Hogg slept through the first step of creating a business. Good Pillow got off to a nightmare start this week as multiple news outlets reported that the gun control activist apparently didn't trademark his company's name. Now the moniker Good Pillow belongs to someone who is neither Mr. Hogg nor his announced business partner, tech entrepreneur William Legate. And here's one more pull quote from that. Mr. Hogg and Mr. Legate announced their plans to start Good Pillow in early February, specifically to drive out of business conservative entrepreneur Mike Lindell and his MyPillow brand of bedwear. We are going to prove that progressives can make a better pillow, run a better business, and help make the world a better place while doing it, Mr. Hogg wrote at the time. <laughs> I guess not, because uh, someone stole that name, Good Pillow, right out from under that stupid little dork. That kid, White Boy Malcolm X, that kid, I, bless his heart, he is a clown. <laughs> he really is. Just this idiot clown. He is a useful idiot, by the way. And I think they let him into one of these Ivy League schools. Don't quote me on this, folks. I think Harvard, Harvard or Yale, he got into one of those. Not because he is a smart kid, but uh, he's just a useful idiot for them to parade around and, and beat up on conservatives. <laughs> he can't even do that right. David, you need to like grow up and try a little harder later down the road. <laughs> I'm going to make a better pillow than Mike Lindell. Can you imagine a woke leftist pillow? It'll be like a damn brick <laughs> and cost $200. From Blaze Media, San Francisco School Board Vice President, many Asian Americans use white supremacist thinking to get ahead. And I've warned you Asian folks out there, I have warned you several times now that you cannot run around going, hmm, I'm a minority, I can get in, I can just slide in there, we're doing good, let everyone else attack whitey, and we will just, boom, we'll get right in there, take their place. But mm-mm, 
That is not happening, folks. And here's another example of that. The vice president of the San Francisco School Board came under increasing fire this week after a campaign to have her removed from office revealed social media posts from 2016. So another one <laughs> with their stupid Twitter posts where she made several racist comments against Asian Americans. And if you folks are like, Miller, what could she have said that was so bad? Well, here, folks, we're getting to that. Calm down. Here are four of her infamous tweets for you folks. Many Asian students and teachers I know won't engage in critical race convos unless they see how they are impacted by white supremacy. I grew up in mostly Asian American schools and know this experience all too well. Many Asian Americans believe they benefit from the model minority BS, she continued. In fact, many Asian American teachers, students, and parents actively promote these myths. They use white supremacist thinking to assimilate and get ahead. Here's another one. Talk to many Lowell High School parents and you will hear praise of tiger moms and disparagement of black-brown culture. So she just called you Asians racist. Whoa, man. And then the last one. Where are the vocal Asians speaking up against Trump? Don't Asian Americans know they are on his list as well? Do they think they won't be deported, beaten, being a house... Uh-oh, she said the N-word, folks. So being a house N-word is still being a N-word. <laughs> She's lively. You're still considered the help. So I guess in San Francisco, they're not putting up that. <laughs> Which is odd for San Francisco, but okay there. And I would think, folks, that if she is accusing Asian Americans of acting like whitey and having that white supremacist thinking about them, that they would go under the bus alongside whitey. But I guess there are too many Asian Americans out in California, and they are not having this from this dopey older white chick. They're going to toss her ass out, I guess. <laughs> and be like, we'll show you white supremacist thinking. Out you go. From UPI, and if you are a COVID Karen out there, this is your trigger warning. You are not going to be happy with this. Theme parks urge to protect guests from coaster screaming risks. And here are a couple pull quotes here. California theme parks preparing to reopen amid the Corona-19 pandemic are being urged to take extra steps to curb the risks associated with a common roller coaster ride activity. Screaming. The California Attractions and Park Association, the trade group representing the state's theme parks, said parks preparing to open in April should take the extra steps to make sure guests aren't spreading COVID-19 by screaming on roller coasters. <laughs> you folks who like to get on the roller coasters and scream like little girls, no, you can't do that anymore, apparently. And here's one more pull quote. Face covering usage and or modifications to seat loading patterns will be required on amusement park rides to mitigate the effects of shouting, Kappa wrote in its responsible reopening plan. Additionally, on rides, guests generally face in one direction. So you're not allowed to scream anymore. It's kind of like uh, at those like high school graduations, and they're like, parents, please do not cheer and scream when your student crosses the stage. And what happens <laughs> every single time, right? You know, John Smith gets called, and the parents and all the friends go nuts and scream and hoot and holler. But that's the same thing. Folks, you, you can't scream on here. You're going to have to triple mask up, folks. And, and you're not allowed to yell. You're going to get in a lot of trouble. They're going to have a, some COVID Karen down there. At the uh, when the ride pulls back in, like yelling at people, how dare you scream on this roller coaster? You're not supposed to have fun on this roller coaster. You're not supposed to scream. Da -da -da -da. You're gonna spread the COVID, and everyone's gonna get the COVID. Oh, my boy, Max. I kind of like that as my COVID Karen voice. I gotta save that for the Fourth of July because you folks know you're gonna get yelled at if you have a barbecue on the Fourth of July and COVID Karen gets wind of it. She is gonna call the popo on your ass and get you in some trouble. From the Daily Beast. Biden White House sandbag staffers sidelines dozens for pot use. Hmm, you can't smoke weed in the Biden White House? That is odd. Let's find out a little bit more. Dozens of young White House staffers have been suspended, asked to resign, or placed in a remote work program due to past marijuana use, frustrating staffers who were pleased by initial indications from the Biden administration that recreational use of cannabis would not be immediately disqualifying for would-be personnel, according to three people familiar with the situation. In some cases, staffers were informally told by transition higher-ups ahead of formally joining the administration that they would likely overlook some past marijuana use, only to be asked later to resign. <laughs> God. 
And can you imagine folks being one of these dopey millennial Gen Z staffers at the Biden administration going, oh, wow, we get to, get to go work for Joe Biden. We're going to bring woke to America, right? And they're, uh, they're asked, oh, what about the marijuana smoke? Oh, yeah, I smoked a little weed, but I'm, I live in Colorado, right? I'm good to go, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, come on, come on. Move to D.C. Come on, you got a job. It's all right. And they're like, oh, it's like, you're out of here. No dope, no dope, folks, in the Biden White House. So they were lied to just like the rest of us, I think. Gosh. Of all the things to get rid of, uh, that would not be it. But uh, yeah, no weed smoking. And white boy Malcolm X, I'm not sure. What do you think? Because you are fake black. You are down for the struggle, sir. Do you think that is a racist, racist rule there? And the reason I ask this, folks, is because if you look at Evanston, Illinois, the city of Evanston, north of Chicago, is paying for their reparations program with a 3% tax on weed, right? So they are using the ganja. Those weed smokers are paying for reparations. But now we are punishing weed smokers, so I don't know if that is racist to punish weed smokers who are only doing their part to help pay for reparations. In some cases, they're doing that, right, folks? So I don't know. What do you think, White Boy Michael Max? Is that racist? Well, yes, of course, everything is racist. <laughs> that we know here, folks. So yes, do not smoke the weed and expect a easy check to go into the Biden White House. That may or may not happen for you. And wrapping up our news quick hits, folks, this is from the National Post. Australia proposes app to document sexual consent, but experts say it misinterprets the circumstances of sexual abuse. And here are a couple pull quotes there. Australian police are suggesting developing a phone app that would document sexual consent amid rising numbers of sex crimes in Australia's most populated state. On Thursday, New South Wales Police Commissioner Mick Fuller proposed the idea of creating an app for consent, saying that the need to provide evidence of explicit consent has been an ongoing issue in sexual assault cases. He added that the consent records could lead to better legal results for victims, the BBC stated. So I guess for you folks down under, you're uh, getting hot and heavy with your uh, significant other or just some random trick you picked up somewhere else and you're like going at it and you're like, I need to get consent. So you got to whip <laughs> This will be great for millennials and Gen Z anyway, right? Half of them probably already take their phones out during sex. <laughs> to check their uh, Instagram posts or their uh, Twitter feeds or what have you. But uh, you got to now whip out your phone and be like, can you consent on my phone that you're allowing me to bang you without uh, accusing me of raping you later? Oh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll check that off. I'm sure, I, folks, I'm sure someone will come up with that app, and I'm sure a lot of these folks will, will use it appropriately. And I guess the only question I would have at this point is, would this apply to kangaroos? And if you're new to the podcast, you're like, well, matter. Why would this apply to kangaroos? That makes absolutely no sense. Well, folks, actually, it does make a lot of sense because what do we have in Australia? We have rapey kangaroos, right? Because we had that story about that poor woman that did not consent to being chased and harassed and physically assaulted by a horny, rapey kangaroo, right? She had no consent. She did not consent to that, right? You cannot have a, a sexual consent app if kangaroos are going to be completely exempt from it, right? They don't have cell phones, right? Even if they could keep one in their little pouch there, they don't have cell phones. They are not going to be held to the standard. They are going to continue to assault women in Australia who wear Sarah Jessica Parker perfume. So I don't know. Either you're going to ban Sarah Jessica Parker perfume to stop turning horny, rapey kangaroos on, right? Or, or you should force them to use this sexual consent app so that they have consent before they start trying to hump a woman. That poor woman. I hope she doesn't listen to the podcast. She'll be like, why are you, why are you using me as an example? Let's go ahead and jump into our news pile. And this first one is from Pink News. And listen to this, White Boom Malcolm X. Rapper Lil Mama, and folks, I have no idea who Lil Mama is, is starting a heterosexual rights movement to defend herself from LGBT plus bullying. Hmm. And White Boy Malcolm X, this does remind me, though, the Summit Mistress, she wrote me and said that she was super straight. She was part of the super straight. That was her sexual orientation. She likes men, and she likes her men with male hardware. So... She is probably going to be joining us in the re-education camps at some point because some mistress and you folks out there, you're not allowed to say things like that. So if you say that you are straight and you like your men or your women with uh, original hardware, you are in a lot of trouble, folks. You are going to the re-education camps along with the rest of us. So, shh, don't say that. They're listening. So let's find out a little bit about Lil Mama here. Earlier this month, Michelle Obama, and folks, if you don't know who Michelle Obama is, she is the former first lady, and she is the most oppressed woman on Martha's Vineyard. 
sat down with 13-year-old Zaya Wade, the trans daughter of Dwayne Wade, whoever he is, for an interview. But following the heartwarming Q&A, growing up hip-hop Atlanta star Lil Mama decided to share her thoughts on Instagram, sharing a tweet to her story which read, So children are too young to smoke cigarettes, too young to drink alcohol, too young to get a driver's license, too young to go to a club, too young to gamble, too young to rent a car, but old enough to cut off the genitals and or change their gender? This is insanity, America. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, white boy Malcolm X. I'll tell you what. I know who is going to be joining us in the re-education camps alongside Summit Mistress. That will be Little Mama for saying that. Damn, Little Mama. You're not supposed to say things like that. I told you. I have to say, though, folks, I have to say, I mean, Little Mama, whoever she is, I, no disrespect, Little Mama. I just, I don't know who you are. I don't know what songs you sing. But, hey, I have to agree with her, though, folks, right? Because it's true, right? You can't smoke cigarettes. You can't uh, to, until a certain age. You can't drink alcohol until a certain age. You can't do all these different things. And she rattled off quite a few of those until you are an adult or close to adulthood. Yet, as a four-year-old, it is perfectly, it is supposed to be perfectly acceptable as a four-year-old to decide and come out and say that you are a completely different gender. And everyone is just supposed to say, boom, okay, sure. If Johnny wants to be Joan, absolutely. Right? There's no harm there. Let's just go ahead and get that, uh, let's get that train rolling down the tracks right away at four years old. Not, let's see if this, uh, she edges out of this as a transition. Mm-mm, not supposed to do that. She comes out and says, little Johnny comes out and says, Mommy, I think I want to be a girl, and I want everyone to call me Joan. And can I get onto princess dresses? Mommy and Daddy are supposed to just go out. Okay, that's fine. Let's go out and get her 10 princess dresses. And let's call her Joan, and let's get make everyone bend to that. And she is a little girl now. John is actually Joan, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So little Mama does have a point, but you're not supposed to say that in today's America, right? The rapper received swift backlash, but some of her followers claimed that the post was unsurprising, as Little Mama has a history of transphobia. Uh-oh. So Little Mama has a first-class ticket to the re-education camps. In 2009, so 12 years ago, they dug this out, because like I said earlier, folks, no sin is ever forgiven in the Church of Woke. While judging the fourth season of America's Best Dance Crew, she fired a transphobic rant at Leomi Maldonado, a trans member of the dance troupe Vogue Evolution. She told her at the time, Leomi, come on. Your behavior, it's unacceptable. I just feel that you always have to remember your truth. You were born a man and you are becoming a woman. If you're going to become a woman, act like a lady. You know what I'm saying? It gets too crazy and it gets confusing. (laughs) And that, folks, that is, I guess, transphobic to say if you're becoming a woman, then act like a lady. I guess that is transphobia in today's society. In response to the social media backlash over her anti-trans comments, both past and present, Little Mama then declared that she would be starting a heterosexual rights movement to defend herself against LGBTQ bullying. She wrote on her Instagram story, Y'all fight so hard to be respected, and some of you, not all, get a kick out of bullying people for having an opinion, how they dress, how their hair and or makeup looks, how much money they have, etc. There are so many people afraid to give their honest opinion because if they do, the LGBTQ plus will hear what they want to hear and take statements out of context. Amen, sister. I don't have to prove myself by reminding people that I have loved one of the LGBTQ community. When I speak, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I'm just speaking my truth, just like you all. You know what, by Malcolm X, I might actually have to start checking out her music. (laughs) Kind of like what she has to say. I don't think it's transphobic, but yeah, hey, anytime you disagree with a transgender on anything, it is automatically assumed to be transphobia. She does have a, a couple really good points, I think, right? And we just talked about how, you know, she did mention all these things that are restricted behaviors until you get to adulthood or close to adulthood, but yet you are allowed and uh, it is encouraged that if you decide at four years old or six years old or eight years old that you are a completely different gender, that everything should just change. And okay, we're totally going to allow that. We're not going to, you know, kind of ride that out and see if it changes. Nope. Boom. You want to call yourself a girl? Everything moves in that direction moving forward, right? And, uh, It's true about those queens. (laughs) I tell you what, though, it is absolutely true. They hear exactly what they want to hear, and uh, and they will twist your words into uh, however they can twist it to make you look like a homophobe or a transphobe, or I guess in her case, she would also be some sort of turf, because that's what the uh, transgender community likes to call women who disagree with them. Hang in there, little mama, and I'll let you know uh, when I get your music what I think. 
And I remember a day, folks, when it used to be uh, the cool thing to speak truth to power. Remember that white boy, Michael Max? You got to speak truth to power. Well, I'm speaking truth to power. I'm speaking my truth and I'm speaking truth to power. Yap, 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 yap. Now you can't speak truth to power, right? Because uh, power gets butthurt <laughs> if you talk about things that they don't like, right? There is, uh, there is no tolerance for speaking truth to power with these folks in power. You're going to go right to the front of the line for the re-education camps if you do. This is from NOLA.com, folks. So we are going to Nolans, Louisiana. This is a second follow-up story, and here's the headline. Priest dominatrices charged with vandalism after alleged alter sex in Pearl River. And so, folks, just to give you a little bit of background on this, a priest, I guess this is kind of like a joke. You know, what happens when a priest and two dominatrices walk into a bar? But no, a priest and two dominatrices were making out on some altar and some good neighbor was walking by and saw them doing that in the church. Of course, whipped out the phone, took video of it, <laughs> right? And so they got in a lot of trouble. They got arrested for all this kind of stuff. But I guess the uh, it is working its way through the judicial system now. And so they are now being charged with vandalism for having sex on the altar. So let's learn a little bit more about that. A former priest and two professional dominatrices accused of performing sex acts on the altar of a Catholic church in Pearl River were charged by the St. Tammany Parish District Attorney's Office Friday with one count of institutional vandalism, a felony. So folks, in Louisiana, institutional vandalism is a felony. They will throw your ass in jail for that. Travis John Clark, 37, who was pastor of Saints Peter and Paul Catholic Church at the time, and Mindy Lynn Dixon, 41, of Kent, Washington, and Melissa Kamen Chang, 28, of Alpharetta, Georgia, were charged in a bill of information. The three were seen by a passerby who noticed the lights on in the church, and folks, they were not just seen by that passerby. As I said a few moments ago, they were videotaped by that passerby, who no doubt enjoyed watching that, according to court records, and saw Clark having sex on the altar with two corset-clad women. Attorney Bradley Phillips, who represents Dixon and Chang, said Friday that the DA has rightfully chosen to not pursue obscenity charges against my clients. Instead, after waiting nearly six months, the state has decided to move forward with a lesser charge, but it's still a felony, of institutionalized vandalism. It is clear the state went out of its way to contort the facts of this case in order to fit their own narrative, Phillips said in a prepared statement. Clark, Dixon, and Chang are set to be arraigned Monday before 22nd Judicial District Judge Ellen Creel. And listen to this, folks, if they are convicted. If convicted, they could be sentenced for up to two years in prison with or without hard labor. So, <laughs> can you folks, can you see those uh, two dominatrices with their pickaxe breaking up rocks and a fine of not more than $1,000 or both, according to the DA's office? So, two years, $1,000 fine, both. Man, their worst case, folks, is two years hard labor and a $1,000 fine for having sex on an altar. And folks, from a follow-up story, they did burn that altar. If I remember correctly, they talked about it being satanic, that whole thing being satanic, and they had the altar burned down because they obviously did not want to use it again after a priest and two dominatrices were all doing each other on that thing. And I don't know, though, given what uh, given what Catholic priests do to their altar boys, I would just assume they should probably just burn the whole church down <laughs> at this point. If they're going to get uh, butt hurt, and it's literally just butt hurt about uh, a priest and two dominatrices on the altar, that they got to burn the altar over it being demonic, the behavior being demonic. What do they do with that church? So they need to burn the whole church down, I think, to get rid of whatever those priests do to those altar boys. I think the Catholic Church is becoming a parody of itself at this point. Bless your hearts. This is from Blaze Media. Rather odd story, and I'm sure you folks will figure it out here shortly, but uh, let's go ahead, and here's the headline. Chicago Teachers Union stalls high school reopening by telling teachers not to reveal if they've been vaccinated. And if you haven't figured it out yet, we'll get there. The Chicago Teachers Union is continuing to needlessly obstruct the reopening of public high schools in the city by instructing members not to reveal if they've received a coronavirus vaccination or not. For more than two months, the union has clashed with the city school system, Chicago Public Schools, over its plans to resume in-person instruction. The union's complaints centered around allegedly inadequate safety protocols, despite the city spending $100 million to make schools coronavirus safe. Last month, the district finally opened its doors to tens of thousands of students attending kindergarten through eighth grade after weeks of tense negotiation between the union and CPS, 
The union originally voted to defy the reopening plan and threatened to strike if any teachers were disciplined for refusing to return to the classroom. As part of its reasoning, the union claimed teachers' vaccination schedules were unsatisfactory. But now the union is reportedly stalling any further reopening plans by instructing members not to disclose whether they have been vaccinated or not in a survey being circulated to faculty and staff. And if you're like, well, Miller, Miller, I just don't understand what is going on here. I just, I can't figure this out. Folks, I just don't think in this particular case with the union and the Chicago public school system that the union is looking out for its members. If you think about it, what is the job of a union? A union, their job, their responsibility is to look out for the interests of its members. Am I correct on that, White Michael Max? Right. Okay. Glad you agree, sir. Not that either of us are members of unions, but that's the job of a union, right? They work on things like better pay, better benefits, better working conditions, all sorts of different things that unions do on behalf of its members. But look at these members, folks. They're high school teachers. Ah, I saw the look on white boy Malcolm X's face. So he's figured it out, and I'm sure some of you have as well. Folks, the job of this teachers union, you have high school teachers, and what do high school teachers need as part of their job? They need fresh teacher pay. <laughs> and so this union, their responsibility, their job is to get these teachers back in the classrooms so those teachers can have fresh teacher bait, right? Because they don't have fresh teacher bait anymore. They don't have access to it. Now, we did have a story in Wednesday's podcast where in 2020, despite the fact that teachers and students were separated for most of the year, that teachers still found time to tap that teacher bait 3,500 times, approximately that many times. They were still arrested for this. And the question I had at the time was, how many teachers are banging their students? We don't know about, right? Because these are the ones that got arrested 3,500 times last year. They were arrested. And so the Chicago union that is preventing teachers from going back into the school and is encouraging them not to go back into the school are denying them the opportunity to get that fresh teacher bait. <laughs> and I feel bad for the teachers in this point because that's what they love to do. That's part of the perk of working in a high school is you get to walk around going, nom, 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 nom. Mm, I gotta get me some of that teacher paint. That fresh teacher bait looks delicious to me, right? That's a perk of the job and the union is denying that. So in this case, folks, I fully expect at some point that those teachers are gonna cross any picket line if there is a strike down the road because they're gonna, they wanna tap that, right? You cannot deny a high school teacher her teacher bait or his teacher bait. Yes, folks, I do know that men bang their students as well. So I feel bad for them at this point because they want to tap that. I understand it. But you got it, ladies, gentlemen, non-binary teachers, whatever. You're just going to have to wait. You got to get on your union. You got to pressure your union and go like, look, we got to get back in school. We got to get laid again because our spouses, our significant others at home, whatever hookup we get on a dating app is just not working out for us. We need that fresh teacher bait. So I guarantee you folks at some point soon, those teachers, no matter what that union says, they're going to be back in school getting that fresh teacher. <laughs> Man, those teachers, I tell you what, they cannot help themselves. And yes, yes, that is a actual fact from a news article we had in our last podcast. 3,500 arrests last year for teachers banging their students. And yes, folks, I know I probably shouldn't make jokes. <laughs> Can't help myself. These teachers just make it too easy for me. From Campus Reform, UPIT calls, and that's the University of Pittsburgh, calls women birthing people an article about reproductive justice. And what do I tell you folks when the word justice is used? Somebody is getting screwed. The University of Pittsburgh used the term birthing people in what is just the latest example of a growing trend towards the blurring of gender lines on college campuses. And with all due respect to you folks over at Campus Reform, there is no more blurring of gender lines. Those lines have been nuked six ways to Sunday. There are no lines anymore. Gender is whatever the hell you want it to be these days. UPIT published on its official website a post about the research of Dara Mendez, a public health professor who applies black feminist theory and, if you thought that was not good enough, folks, and critical race theory to her work. So yes, folks, black feminist theory and critical race theory, that is double woke. She gets extra points for being double woke there. The Post detailed her research into the experience of black mothers, and yes, folks, those are capital B black mothers, so real black mothers, in giving birth and raising children. The publication used the term birthing people to delineate between women and supposed non-women who give birth. The numbers are grim. The maternal mortality rate in the U.S. has been climbing over the past three and a half decades, and that rate is higher among black women and birthing people than in other racial groups, with 40 deaths per 100,000, 
compared to 12.4 per 100,000 in their white counterparts, the post states. This looking at everything through the lens of race, it's, I tell you what though, it's not only is it exhausting, which it is, right? It is absolutely exhausting. Everything they have to look at through the lens of race, it is a descent, to me, it is a descent into madness. God. I would ask where it ends, but you know what? It doesn't, right? It doesn't. We literally had on our podcast, on Wednesday's podcast, a story about how the tax code, the tax code apparently knows if you're white or not and gives you special privileges. So even the tax code itself is racist. So everything is looked at through the lens of race. Everything is racist. This is one of those things as well. The use of the phrase birthing people is growing increasingly common in academic circles. So no, folks, the University of Pittsburgh isn't the only place with this nuttiness. As campus reform previously reported, one of Harvard Medical School's official Twitter accounts, how many Twitter accounts does one medical school need? I guess more than one, received swift backlash after utilizing the term. The account tweeted that globally, ethnic minority pregnant and birthing people suffer worse outcomes and experiences during and after pregnancy and childbirth. After Twitter users decried the use of the term, Harvard doubled down in a subsequent tweet, of course they did, by stating that the webinar panelists used the term birthing person to include those who identify as non-binary or transgender because not all who give birth identify as women or girls. We understand the reactions to this terminology. No, they don't. Can you imagine those snits over at Harvard? Who are these rubes? How dare they complain about what we have to say? And in no way meant for it to erase or dehumanize women, Harvard added. And folks, yes, they do mean to erase or dehumanize women. They want to erase all concept of gender moving forward, and that is one way they do it. And yes, folks, I, I do understand all the hard work that is being put in to placate one half of 1% of the population just so they don't get butthurt. <laughs> we are destroying gender in this country. We are destroying sexual identity in this country just so they feel better about themselves and them and their funky pronouns and their special genders and all their specialness. We have to bend everything in society across the globe to make them feel okay. And that's what we're going to do. So just remember towards that, folks, just remember birthing people don't call whoever's giving birth the mother. It's the birthing person. I just hope, White Bum that I am here on this earth long enough to see the pendulum swing back in the other direction, that people look back on this time and go, man, what the hell were those nut jobs thinking? <laughs> Destroying everything for a small subset of the population. But uh, right now, not so much. So stay woke out there to keep out of those re-education camps. This is from Vice and folks. I normally don't read Vice articles because they're stupid. Not that this one's that smart, but here's the headline. OnlyFans bans public sex. So yes, folks, OnlyFans is drawing a line. OnlyFans content creators can no longer share images and videos featuring sex in public places, the latest entry into the platform's already lengthy list of content it forbids. And folks, if you're wondering about that lengthy list, I'll get to that shortly. The platform's terms of use now state that sexually explicit content that was recorded in or is being broadcast from a public place where members of the public are reasonably likely to see the activities being illustrated is no longer permitted. Adult content creator Aspen Eden. Aspen Eden, white boy Malcolm X. Hmm. First noticed the change when OnlyFans sent her an email on Saturday saying her outdoor content was in violation of the terms and was taken down without warning. Aw, poor Aspen Eden. That's just rude. The email said that even areas that are far away from populated places is considered public nudity and that nude photos outside are only allowed if it is private territory only, such as a private beach. But creators must provide proof of ownership or permission from the owner to post those images to OnlyFans. So can you imagine Aspen Eden going and getting some guy's permission? Dear OnlyFans. It is okay if Aspen Eden does her nudie stuff on my place. Here is my certificate of ownership of this land for her to scrump and do whatever the hell she's doing. I have no idea, folks, what Aspen Eden does. That is not my scene. I do not uh, care for Aspen Eden or anyone else on OnlyFans for that matter. And if some of you folks are out there wondering about why anyone would want to have sex in a public place, well, this is a Vice article, so thankfully they explain that for you. Sex in public is a common kink that's been around forever. Some of the earliest known pornographic films were shot outside. 
El Cetario, which may be as old as 1907, is a silent film about effing Satan himself in a meadow in Argentina and a free ride. Yes, folks, there is apparently a silent film about having sex with Satan (laughs) and a free ride, a stag film from 1915 that's regarded as the earliest American porno, features a roadside sexual encounter. People definitively boned outdoors well before these, of course, but these are some of the first times it was filmed for an audience. And here you go, folks, for those of you who are curious about OnlyFans' lengthy list. Adult performer Cam Damage. Cam Damage, good God. I don't know if that is a man, a woman, or a non-binary person. Recently asked OnlyFans support for a complete list of banned phrases and types of content. The list the company gave them was lengthy. The full list included things that are clearly stated in the terms of use, but many more that aren't. And are you ready, folks? Are you folks sitting down? such as knife play, bruises, spanks, and pegging. Unless they're not violent, then they're allowed, but they don't give an example of a violent pegging or spanking. And a few folks are there going, well, Miller, Miller, what exactly is a pegging? Gosh, um, how do I put this without being obscene myself? A pegging is where someone would take a, a strap-on dildo. Let's just be honest about it. A strap-on dildo, and they would... um. <laughs> Okay, the woman has the strap on. There's the man. I'll let you folks figure that out on your own. The man is the bottom. I'll just put it like that and we'll call it a day. Picking back up, though, anything baby-themed like bottles, diapers, or baby powder. So you folks with baby fetishes, (laughs) you're not finding that on OnlyFans. Ashing cigars onto body parts, promoting or selling alcohol, and bondage. Although some bondage is allowed if there's no signs of violence or suffering. God. That has got to be exhausting. I mean, exhausting for the folks at OnlyFans just to create that list. Exhausting for the folks who are on OnlyFans who have to abide by that list, right? They got to go to this checkmark. Do I have any baby theme? No, okay, I can can do that. Is anyone getting spanked? Well, yes, they're getting spanked. Is it violent? Well, no, okay, then we're fine there, right? So you have to do all these little contortions to get your video just perfect to be able to post on OnlyFans and not have that taken down. Some surprise. Surprise, you have violated our terms of use, right? So none of that. And then, then folks, although now that I think about it, this would actually be the perfect job for them, White by Malcolm X. Those virgin woke millennial pajama boys living in their mother's basement, right? Normally they're playing video games all day or they're defiling themselves or defiling a sex doll, right? But this could be the perfect job for them if they can't find a job somewhere else. They could, it's a twofer, right? They can defile themselves and they can enforce OnlyFans, uh, you know, code of conduct at the same time. I mean, these kids, perfect, perfect job for them. And if you want to know how you can tell that those kids are working for OnlyFans, those are the ones with the massive forearms. (laughs) And if you don't know what that means, you'll figure it out at some point. Seriously, that has got to be a creepy-ass job. (laughs) Keeping up with what goes on on OnlyFans, just to make sure that it is is fine to put up there. (laughs) Gosh. But I definitely see virgin, woke, white, millennial pajama boys doing that. From Reuters, Grindr must delete improperly collected data, Norway Watch Group says. So Grindr is in trouble yet again. Norway should force the Grindr dating app. And folks, I don't know how many times I've said it at this point, but Grindr is not a dating app. It is a hookup app. So let's redo that sentence. Norway should force the Grindr hookup app to erase illegally gathered data on top of a recent threat to impose a large fine, the country's influential consumer council said on Wednesday. Norway's Data Protection Authority said on January 26 it planned to find the LGBTQ app 100 million Norwegian crowns, or $11.8 million, for what the regulator said was illegal disclosure of user data to advertising firms. As long as this data is out there, it may be shared onward and be used by companies that monetize personal data for surveillance-based marketing and other purposes, it added. U.S.-based Grindr, which describes itself as the world's largest social networking app for gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people. (laughs) Social networking, if that's what you want to call it, wink, wink, nod, nod, sure, that's exactly what we'll call it, did not immediately respond to an email seeking comment on Wednesday. In January, following news of the fine, Grindr said the allegations against it dated back to 2018 and no longer reflected its current privacy policy or practices and that the company was following the law. Of course they are. That doesn't surprise me at all. (laughs) Not in the least. Uh, They were actually, folks, they used to be Chinese-owned. And uh, back in, I think it was last year, 2020, they were forced to sell. 
due to uh, syphilis requirements. And if you don't know what that is, no, it is not syphilis requirements, syphilis. It's some regulation that looks at foreign-owned entities buying certain technological data or getting their hands on it. So they were forced to sell to another company. Lo and behold, that other company just happens to be owned by or partially owned by people who used to own it. <laughs> but wink, wink, nod, nod there. But yes, the, the Chinese, I think, still kind of sort of own it. But uh, yeah, there were some blackmail concerns there because in those sorts of apps, you can put things like your HIV status, what you're into sexually or not into your sexual position, all sorts of things. You name it, they'll ask it, right? And you can put it up there. And they were the government was concerned about uh, the Chinese having access to this, but uh, too late. It's already there. Yeah, they forced them to sell it out. But we'll see what uh, we'll see what Norway does. Finding Grinder, the uh, wink, wink, nod, nod, dating social networking app. But we all know what you queens are doing with that. My buddy Max, we are down to our last two stories. Yes, our last two stories, we are down to that. This first one of our last two stories is from nzherald.com, so from the New Zealand Herald. UK Green Party politician Baroness Jones, Baroness Jones, hmm, asked for 6 p.m. curfew for all men to lessen discrimination. Hmm, let's find out about that, what Baroness Jones is talking about. A British politician has called for all men to be subject to a 6 p.m. curfew to protect women and lessen discrimination. Green Party peer Baroness Jones made the comments in a House of Lords debate on domestic violence. The safety of women in British streets has recently been brought to the fore by the murder of Sarah Evhard. The 33-year-old disappeared on a nighttime walk through London and a serving member of the Metropolitan Police has been charged with her murder. Jones referenced the case in her comments as she demanded that all men be kept indoors after 6 p.m. I feel this would make women a lot safer and discrimination of all kinds would be lessened. Jones later expanded on her comments on Twitter, of course, saying that her solution was better than the Met telling women to stay indoors, which followed reports that Metropolitan Police officers had warned women to be careful. Jones later revealed that since speaking out, she had been flooded with abusive messages from men, which she said rather proves my point. Criticism came swiftly from many prominent British men, including right-wing figurehead Nigel Farage, who labeled Jones's comments deranged. Right-wing commentator Calvin Robinson said that Jones's comments were an example of when cancel culture and identity politics combine. And I, folks, I don't know why this is an issue at all. In fact, you men in Britain, you folks in the House of Lords and the House of Commons, I would just rubber stamp this. Boom, rubber stamp it, just done. Sign it into whatever laws you folks do over there in Great Britain or the once Great Britain, if this is what you folks are arguing about. But then again, being an American... And watching what our Congress has been doing lately, I should probably just keep my big mouth shut. <laughs> anyway, I would just not even argue about this and just put it right into law and say, boom, folks, men, six o'clock curfew. You have to be indoors at all time. And then just ignore the law. Just ignore it. Don't even bother with it, right? Because there is, folks, there is a very simple workaround, right? And White Boy Malcolm X, do you know what that is? Very good, sir. You have been paying attention. And folks, if you're sitting at home going, well, Miller, that's just crazy to agree with something like that, right? Because the law says if you're a man, you have to be inside by 6 o'clock. You can't get out of that, right? Well, yes, absolutely. You can get out of it. You don't have to. You can just ignore the law. You can flaunt it. In fact, you can just walk outside right in front. Of, you can go in front of the Bobby Station, whatever they call the police out there, just parade up and down right in front of the street. And of course, they're going to get ticked off, right? Because they'll be like, there's a man outside and he is violating our curfew. And they're going to go out there and say, sir, how dare you? Did you not know that there is a curfew? And you can be like, excuse me, officer, I identify as a woman. How dare you? And they'll be like, ah, oh, crap, they got us, right? Because there's nothing you can do. I don't care if the guy's out there with a long, shaggy beard, and he's out there with like a very tight pants, so you can see the full package there, right? That 10-inch London, that OnlyFans, we'll double back to OnlyFans real quick, the guy on OnlyFans with his 10-inch Johnson, right? He could be out there parading around with a full-on beard, and they go out there, and they say, sir, you are in violation of the curfew at 6 p.m. And all you have to say is, I identify as a woman. And there's not a damn thing they can do about it. Because they're going to be like, ah, crap. If I even touch this this steaming hot pile of turd that has just been delivered to me, I am going to be called a transphobe. So they're going to just let everyone go. So folks in Britain, I wouldn't worry about this. Let this be a yappy Baroness Jones. I am Baroness Jones, and I want all men in locked inside <laughs> by 6 p.m., and that way all the women can be out there. 
So don't you men sweat it. Baroness Jones isn't going to uh, get far with this one. And as promised, folks, this is our, not only is this a smoking gun story, folks, but this is a teacher break smoking gun story. And how's this headline, White by Malcolm X? Texas teacher caught in bed with teen student. Uh-oh, folks, this is Texas, not Florida. So someone's probably going to get in a little bit of trouble. The latest school teacher to get arrested for having sex with one of her underage male students was nabbed after the boy's younger brother discovered the educator in bed with his sibling, according to police. Catherine Murray, 28, was arrested yesterday for sexual assault of a child and booked into the Harris County Jail, where she is being held in lieu of a $250,000 bond. I told you folks, they do not mess around in Texas. The last one we had where a teacher was enjoying that delicious teacher bait, she got her ass thrown in jail for 20 years. Murray taught 8th grade at Memorial Middle School before recently being fired. According to a probable cause affidavit filed yesterday in district court, a 15-year-old student invited Murray to his home on February 11th while his parents were away. The teen asked his 12-year-old brother if it would be okay for Mrs. Murray to stop by after 11 p.m., investigators reported. God... You see that, white boy Malcolm X. Uh, hey, Timmy, uh, my teacher's going to come by. Maybe, is that going to be okay with you? She's going to come by. Oh, well, yeah, sure, I guess. Oh, what time? Uh, she can come by after uh, probably 11 o'clock. Oh, okay, well, what are y'all going to be doing? Uh, well, she's going to help me. I, I'm, I'm having some trouble with my sex ed class, and she's going to help me with that. Oh, okay, okay, uh, that's fine me, obviously, thanks. <laughs> Shortly before midnight, the younger boy told cops he went into his brother's bedroom and observed a tan bra and used condom on the floor. Well, at least this teacher, folks, is not going to get knocked up like a couple of the others. And I assume he only went in there to check to make sure that they were actually studying. He also spotted his brother in bed and the outline of another person under the covers and completely covered by the bedding. At this point, the older boy decided to make some impromptu introductions, according to the affidavit. Mrs. Murray, say hi to younger brother's name. The woman replied, hola, recalled the boy, who told police that he recognized the woman's voice as that of Mrs. Murray, a Memorial Middle School language arts teacher. The younger brother said that when Murray left the residence at 12.30 a.m., she called out to him, adios. <laughs> I think, white boy Malcolm X, that Catherine Murray is doing a little bit, not only is she raping teenage boys, but she is culturally appropriating Hispanic greetings as well. When interviewed by investigators, the older boy said that he was in love with the defendant and he had kissed her. The boy admitted having sex with Murray in his bedroom on February 11th, saying that he was wearing his pajamas. <laughs> I wonder if they were Iron Man pajamas, white boy Malcolm. Excuse me, this kid. I'm going to put on my special pajamas so I can have sex with my teacher. And pulled up the skirt that Murray was wearing. The teen's family has secured a restraining order barring Murray from having any contact with the 15-year-old boy. Well, that's the boy's fault, I would think. It's the boy that's inviting her over, putting on his special sex pajamas, and, uh, you know, inviting her over and kissing her. She is also not allowed to go near Memorial Middle School. Man, that is the cruelest punishment of all, white boy Malcolm X, to not allow a teacher near her school, where she taught for three years. Over the past few months, Murray has started three blogs, two of which were related to class assignments. Her third blog, a personal account, only has a few posts and uses a Socrates quote. <laughs> You folks are going to love this one. I know nothing except the fact of my ignorance as it's titled. <laughs> you could say that again. So Catherine Murphy goes over and bangs the boy in his special uh, Iron Man, I don't know, Superman. <laughs> I can see this kid with his stupid uh, comic book uh, pajamas. Probably has a racing car for a bed still. At uh, 15 years old, the little boy comes in and checks things out and sees the condom and uh, and the bra on the floor. <laughs> I'm sure that was quite an awkward conversation for mom and dad to have after. Well, you know, little Johnny, that's what uh, that's what adults do. But your brother thinks he's an adult and he's not. <laughs> and I don't know who's going to be more scarred by that. But uh, yeah, on that note, folks, thank you so much for coming by today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show with me, your host, Miller Frost. And as always, white boy Malcolm X. Have a good rest of your weekend and start your week. And we will see you back here in a couple of days. Take care.
Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Market. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.